Hello. Welcome to the Dear Nikki podcast, where I do everything that I can to answer any of your user research-related questions, any situations you're encountering, any struggles that you are having when it comes to user research, and give you the best advice that I can, to be honest. That's pretty much why we're here. And again, we are also here with my construction friends downstairs. (laughs) They are working hard, I would say. (laughs) It's the best way that I can put it. They are working very hard. (laughs) And so I apologize if there's any background noise that comes up. I've tried recording a few times with them in the background and I've listened back and I've done my best to reduce the noise. But unfortunately, since I don't know their work schedule, it's very hard for me to plan around them. (laughs) And it seems like they work in very random spurts, let's say, like they will stop working from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. And so I'm thinking I'm safe. And then at 6.30 or 7, they start again. I'm not sure what hours they are keeping, but it's a bit sporadic, let's say. So I apologize if there's any background noise. I will also say that when it does come up, it's a tad distracting for me. So if I do stammer and stumble over a few things, it's because of the incessant jackhammering that I am listening to and hopefully is getting canceled out of your ears. (laughs) That is the plan. So very zen. We can all take a big deep breath. Yeah, that felt good. And today we're going to talk about confidence as a user researcher and kind of fostering and growing that confidence. So something that I've been hearing a lot recently are people aren't feeling as confident as they want to be as user researchers. And there's a lot of instability. There's a lot of question. There's a lot of chat about user research dying or AI taking over our jobs or user research will never be the way that it was before. And you know what? It won't because nothing is ever as it was before. Nothing at all. Everything is constantly changing and shifting. And one thing that I have learned in my life is that the best thing that we can do is not wait around for things to go back to normal. I'm doing air quotes over the word normal, right? It's, it's to understand that things will never go back, that things will just keep on moving forward. And so the best thing that we can do is go forward with them, right, is to have that forward momentum. Because if I was wishing that user research was what it was like, you know, two, three, five, ten years ago, I'm going to spend my entire life wishing that things were a way that they will never be ever again, right? What I will say, though, in my glorious opinion, I do get kind of upset and angry about the user research is dying statements or AI will take over user research, right? Because it's simply just, it's not the case for right now, right? And I think a lot of, a lot of articles, a lot of things online are full of fear mongering. There's a lot of clickbait happening. There's a lot of people who, you know, are writing things to get engagement, to upset people, 
right? That's kind of what news is some of the time, not all of the time, but some of the time, right? There is a there is a truth behind uh, the fear mongering and how it works. You know, people are drawn to that kind of stuff, and so I will say that, in my humble opinion, user research is not dying. Nobody's taking over our jobs, but user research is never going to be the same as it was a year ago, two years ago, three years, five, ten years ago. It's probably never even going to be the same as it was six months ago because things are continuously changing. And that's actually not a bad thing, right? And I think that we need to be open to what is our our future and what we can use in our future to optimize and streamline our process, make it more effective, make it more efficient, make it more accessible to people, right? So I know that that was a bit of a side tangent. So I apologize for taking taking that direction because it wasn't it's not the direction that I necessarily want to go with this episode but I just wanted to say something that I've been reflecting on a lot because my business has had to shift and change because of the industry and because of the economy right and I for a while was like oh why can't it just go back to what it was before and I was fighting the very fact of life that everything changes and everything moves forward right and so I just wanted to put that out there, you know, um, of, of anybody else who might be feeling similarly, like we just are, here we are moving forward. And with that, I wanted to talk about growing your confidence as a user researcher and how to feel more confident as a user researcher and within your role. Because I know that sometimes we can feel like people don't value us or people don't care about what we have to say or what we think or our insights or findings, the data that we do, the work that we do, right? And one thing that I would really recommend just as a starting point for anything literally that you are having a hard time with, right? So something that you're worrying about or something that you're struggling with, and this is this is not just with user research, this is literally with everything, and I do this now with absolutely everything that I'm struggling with, is write down all of the things that you are worrying about or all of the things that you are feeling and that are coming up and cross out all of the ones that you cannot control, right? So what are all of the things that you cannot directly control? That is something that has opened my eyes up to not thinking as much about everybody else and the things outside of my control and really looking at the things that I can control. And that has led me to grow my confidence a lot, not only as a user researcher, but just generally as a human and within the space of my business. Because now I'm focusing on the things that I can control rather than looking around and saying, well, this person doesn't like research. Okay, I can't control that person, right? So what can I actually control? Okay. And so that's something that I would highly recommend doing is go go through all of the things that are worrying or concerning you and cross out all the things that you can control so that you're focused on what you can. And that's where these tips come in handy because they are all things for the most part, I would say, that you can control, right? So my first tip when it comes to growing your confidence as a user researcher is know exactly where you are and where you want to go. Okay, so what does this actually mean? What are your current skills, right? What are they? What are the things that you are good at? And what are the things that you need to get better at if you want to become whatever it is you want to become, right? So some people, there's often a split. Do you want to be uh, uh, continue on as an individual contributor or do you want to be a manager, 
right? That's a very common split. So if you're in that dilemma and thinking, oh, well, I want to become a manager, okay, know where you are currently and know the skills that you need to have to become that person, right? To become that manager, okay? So the thing is, is sometimes we can not be really clear on exactly where we are with our skills, both technical skills and soft skills. So get really clear about, okay, these are the skills that I actually have. These are the skills that I am proficient in or an expert in, you know, whatever whatever method that you want to use. And these are the things that I really need to work on to either become a manager or be or get to the next level, like get, go from a junior to a mid-level, mid-level to senior, senior to principal or staff, you know? So get really clear on where you really are. You know, get grounded in reality because it's very hard for us to move forward if we have no idea where we are currently. And I've popped into the resources, a skills assessment sheet that lists technical and soft skills for user researchers. So I highly recommend taking a look at that because that will help you assess where you are currently and the skills that you need to continue improving to get to whatever next level you're looking to get to, right? And if you are going to do that skills assessment sheet, I do recommend, and this is where some things come out of our control, but only if you have the opportunity, have your manager fill it out for you too. Have some peers fill it out or, you know, so either some colleagues that you trust or peers outside of your organization that you've worked with before, have people fill it out so that you can get their kind of perspective on where your skills lie and where you still need improvement, right? So that is the first thing that I recommend doing because it's very hard for us to know what we need to focus on if we have absolutely no idea where we are right now and where we want to go, okay? So very, very important to just ground yourself in that reality. The next step is to create a career plan for yourself. So this is going and reflecting inwards, and I actually need to do this so badly for my own business. (laughs) So I think I'm going to use this as a jumping off point to do so, (laughs) give myself a bit of motivation to actually go and do the things that I'm recommending other people do. Imagine that. So this is a reflection on what your strengths are, what your opportunity areas are, what you actually enjoy about your career, what you want to focus in on in the next few months or the next few years, right? What are the skills you actually want to improve? And most importantly, within this reflection, what are the skills that you can actually improve in your given context? So this goes back to dealing with what we can control and trying to put aside the things that we can't control. So when I've worked with people within my mentorship program, a lot of the times people come to me and they say, oh, I really wish I could do more, put in the method there, let's say generative research, right? I really wish I could do more generative research. And or let's say even generative races or surveys, right? And so then I say to them, okay, great. That's awesome that you want to work on it. How realistic is it for you within your current organization to be able to go and do something like this tomorrow, right? If you don't have any users, it's going to be really hard for you to do generative research. If you don't have a survey tool and you have about, you know, Uh, you're a startup with only about 20 users that you can reach out to, it's going to be very hard for you to do a survey, 
right? If people don't believe in user research, it's going to be hard for you to pitch generative research. So when you're going through and creating a career plan, that doesn't mean that you can't strive to do these things. But what I want you to focus on are the small, th- smaller things that you can do immediately within your given context. And that might mean taking that larger goal of doing generative research, conducting more generative research and cutting it up into smaller goals that you can actually do. So like the first thing that you could do when it comes to generative research, if nobody at your organization cares about generative research, the first thing that you could do is try to educate them or share a case study of how generative research has helped at a different organization or pitch almost a mini generative research project, right? To showcase, okay, this is, these are the things that we could be learning. We should keep going with this, right? So do the things and plan the things that are realistic within your given environment. And one of those plans might be to find a better environment, <laughs> right? find people that value you. You deserve to be valued, right? I know it's easier said than done, but I just wanted to point that out. So creating that career plan. And I've also put under the resources a Miro board that I use and share with my students when it comes to creating that career plan. So go ahead and take take that. And then my next tip is to track your progress, right? So when it comes to user research and growing confidence, or really when it comes to anything and growing confidence, I don't know about you, but something that I do is I tend to improve, but kind of gloss over that fact, right? I won't really see all of the improvements that I've made because I just assume that I should be improving, right? And I don't take the time to celebrate those improvements. So tracking your progress time over time, and this can be study over study, or you can do a look back and a reflection every quarter, every half year, whatever feels the best for you. But tracking your progress will show you the places that you're saying, okay, these are the skills that I need to improve in. And I'm making note that this is where I want to improve. And so then you can go back and actually see the progress that you've made. Okay, I promised myself that I would get better at surveys. I did five additional surveys this past quarter. And like, look how much faster I'm able to do surveys now, right? So tracking your progress can actually show you, it demonstrates to you what you are doing and how you are improving. And that is one of the best ways that I have grown my own confidence. And then I've seen my students and my mentees grow their confidence, right? So a lot of people come to me with very little confidence. And by the end of our six months together, like within my mentorship program, I have them reflect, okay, let's look back. And they're always so blown away, right? They're blown away by the progress that they have made in those, just those six months, you know, and trust me, six months goes by so fast. So by tracking your progress, you can see where you've improved and how you've improved. And I really, really recommend doing that because that is a huge confidence boost, right? Because if we gloss over these things, if we don't pay attention to them, if we just assume that we should be improving and don't really check in with ourselves, we miss an amazing opportunity to feel better, about what we are doing and to really demonstrate and prove to ourselves that we are improving. So again, I've placed a link to something that I call my failure journal, (laughs) but it's failure in the best sense possible. And it's also a Miro template. So you can go ahead and use that to begin tracking your 
your progress on your projects and seeing where you are doing and improving, right? So my next tip is if you are concerned about or trying to learn or new to a particular method or approach, do internal user research. So something that I learned very early on, luckily, is my colleagues, I could do research on them, right? And yes, they weren't users. You know, this is obviously a lot easier for B2C products usually, generally speaking, like it was a lot easier for me to do internal research on my on a travel B2C platform than it was for me to do on like a B2B social media management platform. But what I did is I did a lot of internal user research. So I practiced a lot of new methods and approaches on my colleagues. And I would always, you know, either give them vouchers for coffee or bring candy or, you know, give them vouchers for a lunch or hold a party for them. You know, I did a lot of things to try and incentivize and thank them and and show my gratitude for them spending time as I was learning these different methods. But for instance, the first time that I did card sorting, I actually practiced with 10 colleagues first because I was so nervous because I had never really done card sorting before. So I turned internally and said, okay, is anybody willing to you know, test out this new approach with me? And it was so helpful because I got through a lot of bumps and obstacles that I would have encountered externally right? But I did that internally with people that I trust in a low stakes environment. And if you are in a B2B platform or your colleagues really aren't your users, there are two things that you could do. You can just ignore that and and do your best and just really focus on practicing the methodology. Or what I did, because my Card, my first card sorting exercise was at a B2B platform. I actually took a different topic and I used that instead. So I'm trying to remember exactly what I did because I was at a hospitality uh, company and we were working with like a housekeeping and concierge B2B platform and none of my colleagues had any – oh, right. I did online shopping. Right. So none of my colleagues obviously were (laughs) housekeepers, (laughs) nor were they concierge or front desk hotel people, right? They didn't work in hospitality (laughs) and at hotels. So what I ended up doing because I was doing – we were doing card sorting to try and figure out the information architecture on the platform. And so what I instead ended up doing, instead of using the B2B platform and doing that, I chose online shopping, right? And I actually chose a website that a lot of people used and I did card sorting for that website. So I was still able to practice the methodology. No, it wasn't the exact copy and paste of what I was going to do when it came to B2B, but I still got to practice the methodology and it felt more authentic because it was something that people actually could answer, right? So that's another thing that you can do is you could choose something that would be relevant to your colleagues and still try it out. You could also do this with something like one-on-one interviews, so generative research. You don't need to talk about the topic of your organization. You can practice in different ways with your with your colleagues. And with that, You could also, you know, if you are concerned about synthesis and feel like you need more practice with like tagging and synthesizing data, you could do internal research on a different topic and use that data to practice synthesizing, right? So there are plenty of ways that you can use your colleagues and use internal research to practice different approaches and methodologies. 
Another kind of offshoot of this and my next tip is to conduct workshops. So again, this is more so in your control, right? Conducting workshops unless everybody at your organization hates workshops. And then we could break this down a little bit more and you could hold like a super small workshop with people who might be okay with it, right? And then grow that over time, right? So your goal of conducting workshops, would you would just have to make it a smaller goal of introducing workshops into your organization, right? But something that is in your control is conducting workshops. And workshops are a, a very important soft skill for user researchers. So going through and conducting workshops is a really, really great way to grow your confidence as a user researcher because it's working on a very important specific skill. And you can honestly conduct a workshop for anything, for anyone, right? So if teams are having a hard time, you can facilitate whatever problem they are encountering, right? It doesn't only have to be ideation workshops. You can hold other workshops as well. So something that I held with one of my – within one of my roles is – the account management and implementation process for a B2B software. So there was a lot of weird stuff going on between when account managers got clients and then when things were implemented and what that timeline looked like. So what we actually ended up doing is we did almost like a journey mapping exercise of the current process and then a journey mapping exercise of the ideal process with the implementation team and separately the account management team. And then we came together to talk through, okay, what are the things that we could actually ideate on and fix that really had nothing to do with user research? Of course, it actually benefited the customer in the end because our implementation process and the client management process was so much more streamlined and efficient and effective. And it was clear and straightforward to them, whereas in the past it hadn't been, right? But I was able to help facilitate the problems between these teams, right? So it wasn't directly me taking insights or data from customers and turning it into a prototype or a concept, but I was able to help facilitate this conversation with and between these two teams. So don't only limit yourself to almost like user research or product-based workshops. See if there are other teams who are having problems communicating and see see what you can do to help them, right? Because any workshop that you can practice is an amazing opportunity, right? My next tip is to tell people you are learning, right? So I, for a really long time, as a perfectionist and as somebody who – essentially wanted to be perfect at everything the second I did it. (laughs) What is it? The Pippi Longstocking quote that I love so much. I've never done this before, so I should be perfect at it, right? So I wanted to be that person. So I never used to tell people when I was learning something. And that actually set everybody up for disappointment. It set me up for disappointment. It set my team up for disappointment. I wasn't clear with the expectations. I wasn't clear with the current reality. So one thing that I do recommend doing is tell people if you are new to something. Tell people if you are in a learning curve with a particular methodology, with a particular approach. Or tell people that, hey, we're going to be trying something new. I haven't done this before. Are you all okay with me trying this slightly different approach to intake or to research planning or to recruitment, right? So being very open and upfront so that people's expectations are very, very clear of what what exactly is going on behind the scenes is super, super important, right? So once I started telling people that I was in the process of learning something or that I was trying something new – 
people were much more inclined to be kinder, right? Because they had a clear expectation of what was going on and the associated risks with it, right? And there were a few times where I said to my teams, hey, do you you all mind if we do something slightly different with this recruitment just so that I can try it out? And there were a few times where I actually had teams come back and say, hey, could we not do it for this particular project? Could we do it for the next one because because of X, Y, and Z reason? Like this project is really big and we need to move fast. We're already behind, blah, 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 right? So by being transparent and clear and actually asking for their input, I gained a lot of trust from them as well, right? So it was a win-win situation of me being transparent and telling people that I was learning and asking them if this was an okay project to maybe try something new on, right? Which leads me into my last tip, which is to be okay with experimenting, iterating, and failing, right? As I just said, and the Pippi Longstocking quote says, you know, I've never done this before, so I should be really great at it, or I should be perfect at it, or I should know exactly what to do now, right? That's not how realistically speaking, things work, right? We fail and failing is not a bad thing. Failing is actually a really great thing because we're able to take that learning. Failing is learning, right? And we're actually able to take that and iterate on it and make it better, right? So you have to be okay. One thing with confidence is you have to be okay with experimenting and iterating, right? You have to be okay with learning things. And oftentimes that learning will come in a failure, right? I have failed countless numbers of times, so many times. I can't even count how many times I have a two-part podcast episode, which I will link to in the resources, all about the mistakes that I've made, but they have made me into a better user researcher. They made me into a better person, right? And so I really, really recommend if you're looking to grow your confidence, be okay with not knowing everything. Be okay with not being great at everything, especially the first time you try it, right? Be okay with failing and learning from it and experimenting and iterating on that, okay? So really, really, really like I and this takes a lot of practice, especially if you are more of a perfectionist or if you are really uncomfortable with failing. You know, it it is really hard. It's very uncomfortable. And I've had to sit in a lot of that discomfort before. But over time, it does get easier. And this goes back to tracking that progress. Because if you see that you failed in something, but then you see a weight I'm getting better. You know, that makes such a huge difference. That's why tracking your progress is so important because yes, you might have failed, you know, two months ago at this recruitment, but then you realize in your latest project, you nailed it, right? That's That's why failing is learning and tracking your progress is key to growing that confidence, right? It helps so, so much to put it out there and to clearly demonstrate how you have been improving, right? And you've been improving. The only way that you can improve is from failing and iterating, right? It's literally, I just, I don't even know the the other way that you can improve (laughs) in your career. Tell me because I would absolutely love to know but I I honestly I don't I don't know if there if there is another way. But anyways, those are my tips. I hope that the resources in this 
particular episode are helpful for you in knowing exactly where you are, creating that career plan, tracking your progress, knowing that it's okay to make mistakes. I'm also going to link to my mentorship and my membership. So those are two different services that I offer to help you with growing that confidence as a user researcher. So if you're looking for something more personalized, definitely my mentorship would be amazing for you. If you're looking for more of a community and a space to share with other people, take a look at my membership because we are all about the confidence in in my user research membership. So anyways, I hope that this was helpful and I really, really recommend taking the time to do this because it makes a huge difference in your confidence. And as you feel more confident, you will feel more empowered and more capable of doing anything and everything that comes your way. So yeah. You can do it. I promise. I believe in you. If I can do it, anybody can do it. (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for your time today and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Bye.